1: Remember that 1 trillion dollar bill that was passed, the infrastructure bill. Well, some of that is for high-speed internet and Senator Warner was one of the people advocating for high-speed internet across the across the country and including in Virginia and there was all a lot to talk about relative to cybersecurity and all of these cyber issues so we have joining us today the former deputy chief information officer from the Commonwealth of Virginia who I worked with when he was in that role Dan Wolf and he's currently the director of state programs for the Alliance for Digital Innovation good morning Dan
0: Good morning, Karen. How are you doing?
1: I'm great. Thank you so much for joining us. So I want to start off talking about a recent article that was in the Richmond uh, Times-Dispatch, and also I think you posted about it, where there is a high-speed internet program through the federal government, part of this trillion-dollar budget uh, bill that was passed. And some people live in rural areas, might not have high-speed internet. What is going on with that, and how can people determine if they have any opportunity to get some of this funding?
0: Yeah, thanks, Karen. For, uh, and, th- and thanks again for having me on. But the so I, I think I hope that there is hope on the horizon for them. But when you're talking about high speed Internet as a country, we lag far behind many other developed nations in universal broadband access. We're 10th in the world in average broadband speed as as of a few years ago. And it's frankly, it's only gotten worse since then. Virginia is no different from the rest of the country. There are some estimates that say one out of every 13 Virginia households does not have access to high-speed Internet. So if people don't have high-speed access to the Internet, they lose out on employment opportunities, fall behind in education, or even the ability to start a business. It's a life-changing problem. So the federal government's been trying to tackle this problem for uh, almost two decades now. Back in 2010, The Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, launched the National Broadband Plan with the purpose of ensuring universal access to high-speed Internet. So what did they do? Well, first, the FCC set out to measure who had access to high-speed Internet and where. And what they found was that more than 18 million Americans lack access to at least a minimum speed of broadband, particularly in low-income and rural areas. Nearly a quarter of rural households lack high-speed internet, and that's something that many of your listeners in places like Hanover and Goochland and New Kent know all too well. But the problem, Karen, was that even those maps that showed 18 million 18 million Americans lacking access, those were unreliable. The first issue is that their minimum standard for broadband was abysmally slow, barely enough to stream a movie, let alone have multiple connections at once. By comparison the network that I'm calling you on right now is 40 times faster than that minimum measurement. So they're using a very outdated standard of what high-speed internet even means. But the bigger problem is that the data itself was misleading. Those first maps collected data using US census blocks, and. So if if a single home was served in that census block, the whole area would be marked as okay on the FCC's map. And what that meant was because one person, one house had high-speed Internet, they might have mislabeled upwards of 3,000 people. So it's a huge, huge problem. So they went back to the drawing board. And what's happening now is that the FCC has redrawn that map with more precise data on whether an area has access to high speed Internet, the feds will then use this new map to allocate the money that you were just talking about. I believe it was about sixty five billion dollars that was authorized by Congress and President Biden in twenty twenty one. It's in the this new map has data from a lot of sources, but it's going to have mistakes. It's a it's a map of the entire country. So those mistakes mean an area might get less money for building out that last mile broadband. Obviously, huge problem. So state and local governments have been working with the FCC for months to correct mistakes, but citizens concerned about access to high-speed Internet in their area should get involved too. Now, the FCC has a deadline. It's this Friday, and that's probably what triggered the, uh, the article that you were talking about. Your listeners have until this Friday, January 13th, that, to go to broadband.fcc.gov to check the map and see if their area is listed correctly. and you mentioned senator warner your listeners can also contact senator warner's office if they have concerns about broadband access you you point out he's correctly that he's been advocating on behalf of Virginians for for years on this critical issue
1: so it's actually broadbandmap.fcc.gov so if if you yes. can type in your address broadbandmap.fcc.gov Adam typed in his address. It said he was served. He said, that's that's a lie. It's not right. So you're, I don't know that it, so it might not be accurate. So if you think you don't have access, it said I was served. It said he was served, but he said he did that. That's not accurate. So I guess if you don't think that you have access to it, once you type in your address, then you can contact the FCC and let them know it's not accurate.
0: Yes, absolutely. And and I'm glad to hear that at least one person got helped by, by, uh, by, by, by information. <laughs>
1: exactly. We're talking to Dan Wolf, who is the former Deputy Chief Information Officer for the Commonwealth of Virginia, and currently the Director of State Programs for the Alliance for Digital Innovation. I'm Karen Michael, in for John Reed. All right, now I want to talk about cybersecurity, which is obviously on the mind of people all the time, because we constantly hear about people breaking into our computer systems, etc. So talk about about the Alliance for Digital Innovation and in its advocating for investments in technology and cybersecurity especially relating to governments and whether governments are doing enough
0: yeah, well, at ADI, we're a nonpartisan trade association that includes some of the most prominent technology companies in the world. And our mission is to accelerate change by driving government adoption of innovative technology, particularly in the areas of of cloud computing and in cybersecurity. And, you know, the question is, is the government doing enough on that point to be able to keep us safe? Well, the good thing about being in cybersecurity right now, Karen, is that unlike some Previous times, people are actually paying attention to us right now. It's definitely something that's on the forefront of a lot of people's minds. Um, The federal government has taken some important steps over the past few years to protect our nation's critical infrastructure from cyber attacks. There's been a lot of emphasis lately around creating a comprehensive cyber strategy for the country. Uh, CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, uh, at, on the, in the federal government, is responsible for improving the government's cybersecurity protections against bad actors and for leading the coordination among state governments. They're working hard. They're, they've got a lot of good staff, good people working there that are working hard to identify gaps in how we protect ourselves. Congress has also put a lot of money into cybersecurity, especially in protecting critical infrastructure like water and energy supplies. But Karen, you do you remember the Colonial Pipeline I ransomware do. attack from 2021? That yeah. was just well, shocking,
1: it didn't get a lot of I didn't think it got enough uh, enough discussion. The narrative around it was just I thought it was one and done.
0: well, it, you know it certainly hit a lot of the morning shows for the for the week or so of the disruption. but what people don't really know, I think people think that the pipeline itself got shut down. No, it was just the billing system oh, of huh. that oil company. It, just the billing system that caused short gas shortages and sp- and price spike price price spikes around the country. So who would have ever thought that that type of vulnerability could have that type of out of proportion impact to disrupt the entire country. So we, we need to do more. It's, Im- it's important for the government to work with as many people as possible to identify all of our vulnerabilities and create a comprehensive strategy.
1: So thinking about ransomware attacks, we hear about that all the time, Uh, cyber attacks, just for the average person out there, what advice do you give to the average person? I just got noticed literally on my phone that one of my credit cards was just today has been compromised. It seems like it's never ending. So what advice do you give to listeners on just keeping their own information safe?
0: Sure. And and that's absolutely on the forefront of a lot of people's minds. I I, I know your listeners have heard have already heard important tips like not clicking on suspicious links, keeping their software up to date, turning on multi-factor authentication on important accounts, especially on their financial accounts and email. So I'm going to give them a slightly different tip. And that's one that I think, knowing you, I think you're going to like it. Stop oversharing on the Internet. When you talk about yourself on social media or post pictures, you may think it's harmless. But if someone wants to steal people's identity online, the less they can learn about you, the better. From a picture, they may learn what kind of car you drive. They may be able to figure out your address or where you work. They can find out your kids' names, birthdays, or where they go to school. Stop doing that. Don't make the bad guy's jobs easier. You can also turn on your privacy settings on social media so that only your friends or followers can see your posts. Going viral is great, but unless you're trying to make money on the internet, being smart with your personal information is much more important than a tiny bit of
1: fame. Well, that's such great advice. And, and it's so tricky because you'll get this message that says your Atlantic Bank account has been compromised. Click here. And if you have an account with that bank, you might think, oh, I've been compromised. And so you click there. Whereas if you don't have an account, you realize it's it's spam. And, and you get these things all the time because they're hoping that you know, a hundred out of a thousand that they send actually have a bank account and they're going to be dumb enough to click that link. And that's when they get into your systems. Is that right?
0: Absolutely. And and cyber criminals have created a literal billion dollar industry for themselves at this point where they they they're a consultant where they they sell their hacking services to someone else, just like there are any other old contract or like you're bringing them in to 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 clean your offices or something like that ransomware as a service it's it's crazy and it and underscores the need for more cyber talent to be able to grow our workforce so that we can be able to scale up and, and and defeat the bad guys on this and can keep them at bay but folks don't click on that link that karen just described hover your mouse cursor over it and make sure that it, it's going to exactly where you think it's supposed to go
1: Exactly and check the email address cuz usually it's some random email address it isn't it's like some random you know address that isn't even from like Atlantic Bank Dan Wolf who is the former Deputy Chief Information Officer for the Commonwealth of Virginia currently the Director of State Programs for the Alliance for Digital Innovation Dan thank you so much for joining us this morning
0: Thank you Karen